Fertility ain't fair. So let's talk about it. Welcome to Fertility Ain't Fair, a community with the mission of normalizing the conversations around infertility, reproductive health, and motherhood for all. I invite you to check out our new podcast, Fertility Ain't Fair, wherever you listen. Follow us on social media at Fertility Ain't Fair and stop by our website, fertilityaintfair.com. Real, raw, unfiltered. This is Fertility Ain't Fair, the podcast. Hey, it's your host, Britt, and welcome back to another episode of Fertility Ain't Fair. Um, so today, I really wanted to jump into a blog post that I had wrote a couple years ago, actually, um, on the website, fertilityaintfair.com, under blog, and I started putting these posts on there to share with you guys because this is really where it all started. So Fertility Ain't Fair as a name or a brand or as an idea was started a couple years back. And it really started from just doing private blog posts, which really was like a virtual diary for me. I'm big on writing things down. So I've always had, you know, journals and personal entries for myself from my childhood. Like I loved to write. I love to put, you know, pen to paper, um, notebooks, composition books, diaries, etc. Um, but a few years ago, I just found my my thoughts coming super fast. And so it was easier for me to just sit down and put it all out, you know, virtually um, into a, a digital space. And so I, I started a WordPress blog just privately for me to put my thoughts on paper quickly. And so one of the first ones that I did was called Why Me? And, you know, <laughs> it's really about kind of how the vision of what I thought was going to happen in my life and like the milestones I was going to hit by, you know, a certain age or a time frame. And, you know, when that all was like blown up um, with infertility, you know, how I, I started to kind of process that. And so, you know, you know, the old age, the chant, right? The whole, you know, K-I-S-S-I-N-G, first comes love, right? It's called the kissing song <laughs> per Google, which I didn't know it had like full length lyrics to it. Um, but, you know, first comes love, then comes marriage, then comes the baby and the, you know, baby carriage. And so, you know, for me, it seemed really simple, right? It's a really fun, innocent song, um, you know, over the next 20 years of our lives, it was okay, kiss a boy or a girl, whatever, kiss whoever you want, get married, have kids, you know, live happily ever after. It just all seemed so simple. And then you get to that point in like real time, real years, and things are complicated as shit. Like it's not always that simple, right? And even if it comes off that simple, like life is going to throw you curveballs and have complexities that, you know, are not going to be addressed by a really cute, like, playground song. So I think in order for me to, like, move forward with you guys, I kind of have to go back um, to give you some more backstory. So I grew up in what I'll call, you know, a traditional kind of, you know, family framework. You know, mom, dad, um, brother, I had an older sister, as I mentioned before. 
And for me, I really fell right into the like cliche, like girls room with dolls everywhere, um, you know, baby dolls, Barbies, collectibles, just kind of a girly affinity to like, you know, dolls and Barbies. And, you know, I really, really enjoyed that connection with my baby dolls, like a lot of girls. And once again, before I get my head chopped off for being anti-feminist or saying, you know, girls only play with dolls. No, like I liked cars. I liked video games, but I really was a cliche girl when it came to my dolls. And I took them very, very seriously. Okay. So it's my backstory, my personal experience. Don't come for me. Okay. So like these dolls were my babies. Like I dressed them, I fed them, I cared for them. And when they were, you know, air quotes sick, I drove them (laughs) to the doctor or I played doctor to make them better. Or I played mom and I drove them to their activities and I put them to sleep at night. And so I was the ultimate doll mom. I really was. And so Those golden years, a simple childhood where, you know, everything kind of just revolved around playtime, but it did, for me at least, set up a foundation to say, okay, this will be, you know, your life on some level, you know, fast forward, like I said, 20 some years, this will be your life doing all these things with these baby dolls with real babies. And so you know, I really enjoyed that alone time that I would have as a kid, not because I didn't have friends or didn't enjoy friends, but I loved my one-on-one time with my, my dolls and my toys just to have my own creations of, okay, what are we, me and the baby doll kids going to do today? Right? So that, that, that comes from my childhood and also my mom, um, is an amazingly patient woman who has always been extremely good with children, small children to be exact. And that's an art form. Okay. She's a saint for that. And so, you know, I would, you know, help her. She had a daycare when I was younger in our home for a while. And so I would help her with, you know, the kids in the daycare. I used to, um, you know, work at the kids, you know, nursery uh, spot at our local gym. I babysat. I worked for local libraries with the kids for summer reading. I did a lot of things that had me interacting with kids, even though I had no desire to be a full-time teacher. My mom was, but I, I never had the desire. But I also was like really, really good with dealing with kids like under the age of five specifically um, and being a baby whisperer, if you will. So I always loved children. So I say all that to say like my mom's DNA and my my personal love for kids, I just always had that that inclination or that want, um, you know, to be in a, a maternal role. So that was always in me. I know it's not in everybody, and that's also okay, right? It's just motherhood for all, whether you choose to be mom or not, or be adopted mom or, or, or great auntie or, or whatever, whatever your mom, you know, figure looks like, that's also okay. So once again, my story, my background, but I was also, you know, I was raised in a house that promoted college, right? College first, you know, then, you know, real dating, <laughs> adult dating, marriage, and then a family. And so for me, that's how I was, you know, raised in this, in this world. And so, 
essentially, you know, I was taught you avoided pregnancy like the plague, <laughs> right? When you first start your period. So, you know, let's just talk about that, right? So when you, you know, get your period, a moment of silence for the moment when you become a quote unquote woman, which for a lot of us, and I think even for this new generation, they're getting their flows super, super young. Um, you know, so you're not a woman by any means, you know, but, you know, in theory, that's when it happens. Right. Um, and, you know, you talk to hopefully, you know, a mom or older sister or an auntie or a grandmama or somebody. Right. Or, you know, teen movies, whatever. For them, it's like YouTube, whatever their friend, social media. Right. But your bodies are now changing all that good stuff. And, you know, of course, you have questions. A lot of us are terrifying. Um, my, my outflow came, um, when I got home from the pool one day. Uh, so I thank baby Jesus that, you know, I did not depart the Red Sea at the pool that day. It, it waited, you know, until I got home and I was like, what the hell? And, um, you know, I, I had my, my first, my first flow and, you know, then you dive into the world of, okay, this now means what for me, right? It, you, you have feminine products, you have your cycle, you have trying to track it on a calendar, you have all these different things. And then you have to talk about, okay, this also means that in theory, you could be ready to, you know, carry a child, which is also terrifying. We're like 11, 12, 13. And yes, I know it happens. And my heart goes out to any young girl who may have, you know, been in a situation where they became a mother or became pregnant that young. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's scary. Right. And we all know what that feels like. So once again, you are here, you are growing up, you're avoiding the pregnancy, like the plague, because you just want to graduate with no kids, go to college, have no kids, start your career with no kids, find a husband with no kids, get married and have as many kids as you want. So once again, that was my lens of which I was raised to think of, you know, what what's next for me and what are those milestones and, and what things do I... I need to check off a box before I dive into a family and kids and all of that good stuff. So, right, I'm in my late 20s. So, you know, looking forward to a future, a, a husband, and having never have been pregnant to my knowledge, I always had this like, that's weird, right? And it's not weird because I was trying to get pregnant, but I'm also not going to sit up here and act like, there wasn't windows of time where that could have happened because, you know, I, you fuck up, right? <laughs> like, let's be honest, like shit happens, especially in college, you know, and, um, or, or high school, whenever stuff happens. And, you know, you might find yourself in a spot where you were pregnant and you had to make that big decision of what you want to do. A lot of girls who I knew, even my closest friends, at some point in time, you know, coming out of college into our late 20s, at least could say I was pregnant at one point in time and I got an abortion. I didn't have that story. I didn't have the I was pregnant story. And once again, I wasn't trying to get pregnant. So I was like, okay, either I'm really, really lucky 
Or maybe, just maybe in the future, something may not be right. And so I can't tell you why I always had that thought, but I did. Um, But yeah, so, you know, cheers to not being pregnant and living my best life, you know. Um, But fast forward to adulting and actually wanting kids and then you're left with the, well, what's, what's happening? What's going on? You know, why is it not happening? Why is it not easy? Why is it not simple? Because that's what I thought I was supposed to be able to do, right? That, that's, that's what I'm here for. I, or one reason I'm here is to create life, right? So I mentioned to you guys in the first episode, I stopped birth control in September of 2017. That was a big step. And I was like, I told you, I thought by like Christmas, New Year's, I would have these really cute like um, social media announcements ready to roll. <laughs> and I, I had my plan together, right? Like I, plan- I, I planned it out, right? I did all the right things. I graduated. I got a great career started. I found my guy. I got engaged. Like check. Like I, I, I'm ready, Okay. And then 2018, no baby yet, no worries, cool, no big deal. Um, let's keep moving forward. Let's, you know, our, our life continues. We're engaged. We're planning things. You know, we, we buy a house in 2019. Once again, I'm checking off all of these really great milestones and achievements. And, you know, what's up? What's going on? Right? And so... Then it was, okay, let's try the app. Let's try the app and the test kits and let's plan every sexual entanglement possible. Like, don't overthink it, right? But track it every day. Take notes. Check ovulation. Try this position. Google different things to do. Buy a weird pillow that props your pelvis up, tilting backwards so the sperm stays in and all leading up to another period. Right. I think it's so funny how it's always like, don't overthink it, just relax. And you're literally trying to calculate the best time, way, position, tools to use to make sure that every every uh intercourse moment is optimal, right? For for conception. It's a joke, really. It's a it's a it's a joke. Also a joke. Why are PMS symptoms and early pregnancy symptoms so similar? It's like one of the cruelest like female jokes of all time. Like I blame Eve, you know, because I don't have another answer for it. But Eve, I blame you, girl. Um, But I know there are some differences, but literally there are so many alike that you need like a diagram to figure out what could be or what couldn't be. So I remember going into my 30th birthday and the whole, you know, your clock is ticking kept popping up in my head. And also at this point, I was dealing with really, really bad anxiety, like to the point where I was having panic attacks, ER visits, medication, doctor's appointments, specialists, heart palpitations, etc. And I'm like, what the fuck is my body doing? Like, I physically can't even support another human right now. Like, I can barely support myself, like not financially, but in the mental and physical sense, I am hanging on by a thread. And, you know, my husband was there, of course, through all of this. 
and was extremely supportive every single step of the way for me to get back to a place where I was healthy. And I really do believe that you are, you know, God protects you from certain things, you know, if you're not in a, in a, in a good space. And for me, that's what I started to tell myself to really gain some sense of control over my thoughts and over my, my mental health, because I was like, I feel like I was trying so hard to get pregnant and I was all consumed by it. Like a lot of us get right. Like we're just so consumed with it because it is overwhelming when it's not happening, you know, quote unquote, naturally or in the right timing. And you look up and you're just like, you don't even know how to live in the moment. You don't know how to enjoy things for a while. And I was like, you know, there is no way that I, you know, can take on another thing or pregnancy or another human being if I have not allowed myself to become healthy again. And so, you know, it was just, it was hard because I got to the point where I was just like, you know, why is this not happening for me? Like, why me? Right. I know life's not fair. I was told that my whole entire life. And it's, it's true. Life is not fair. And some really good people have really shitty things happen to them, but it just felt so debilitating. And so this is one of the major first steps in my fertility journey and when I, I had to, you know, I, I asked the question, why me? But I also had to stop denying what was going on, stop pretending that I was okay about this, come to terms, you know, physically, emotionally, and mentally, and find a way to deal with these things. Like, it's okay to ask yourself, why me? Like, do it. And when you do, be free to cry and, and get angry and be sad and scream it's not fair because it's not. Life's not fair. Fertility ain't fair, you know, but faith, faith will, can get you through. And so I had to, you know, at 30, finally come to a place where I said, okay, I need a number of resources to get myself in a better space mentally and physically. I need to start therapy, number one, because I should have been in therapy I know that. And I think for most people in this world, therapy can be very beneficial and it could be for a season. It could be long-term. It could be short-term. It could be, you know, for a very specific reason or general wellness. And once you find a good person that you connect with, then, you know, it's up to you to decide, okay, how do you want to do this? Do you, you know, how do you want to move forward with it? But therapy number one, because I went in there thinking I'm just going in for infertility and how to cope, but came out of it with like 20 years of shit that I hadn't dealt with that was all balling into me being just so tight and wound up and so just like mentally unstable, quite honestly. Um, so that's number one, um, physically I had to get in a better space because once you get to the point where your mental health is affecting your physical body, that for me was the red flag. Like that was it for me. It was like, okay, yes, we all deal with some levels of stress and anxiousness and worry in our daily lives. Like that, that, that that's life, right? That's being human. 
you know, you have these emotions and thoughts and, you know, that happens. But once it gets to a point where it's a disorder or it's reoccurring or it's taking a toll on your physical body and manifesting in a variety of ways, uh, you know, I felt physical pain a lot of times, fatigue. Um, I mentioned the panic attacks, real life panic attacks were happening in my body. That was terrifying. Um, like those, I was manifesting what was happening mentally in my body and that was scary. And so that was the, the red flag, like, Hey, you need to work all of it out together to get better. So therapy, um, physical, um, fitness. So, you know, getting myself back in a space where I could, you know, be physically fit and, and work out and work off some of this, you know, stress and anxiety, um, was very helpful. Also, um, medication and science, right? I mentioned before, I believe in faith and science. And so, you know, I was like, I need a 360 approach to wellness. And so it includes, you know, so physical wellness, it includes mental wellness, it includes spiritual wellness. Um, and so, yes, I went to doctors to find ways for me to have a a, you know, very, you know, low dose anxiety med that I could take when I needed it. I told them for me, I didn't want a daily pill. I didn't want it to be too, you know, too high of a dose. I wanted to just be able to take it when I needed it, not be dependent on it. And so that's worked out really well for me for the last few years, just to have that on hand if needed. Um, and you know, I just, I needed to get back to my basics. I mentioned, I loved writing. I needed to get back to, you know, really writing and pouring out things. Meditating has been amazing for me. Um, and these are all just normal things, you know, these, these are not revolutionary ideas, but it took me getting to a place where I was just so I say wound up, right? That's the best way I could always describe it was I felt like I was so wound up and I was kind of like spiraling and I needed help to stop spiraling. And I could no longer um, like just say, oh, I'm just, I'm just tired. I'll just get through the weekend. I'll just, you know, I need to get to the weekend or I need to get through, um, you know, this week or this month. No, it was like, something is wrong. This isn't just going to get better on its own. You need some professional help to come in and get you to a better space. So, you know, I think the infertility piece was a catalyst for me to get my ass together and as I get some uh, professional help, but it wasn't the only thing that was helped and it wasn't the only thing that came out of what was happening. So um, I think in a lot of ways it has pushed me to find strength. It's pushed my faith. It's tested every limit that I thought I would have on myself and brought me to a better place. But it, it, it brought me to my knees in a lot of ways. Um, because I just felt like, you know, I was being attacked. I felt like my body was attacking me. It was failing me. Um, and 
I, I just wasn't in a good space. It was like walk and, and, and depression. I, I mentioned that, you know, being depressed was definitely part of this journey very early on because like I said, you know, you're not alone, but some days you feel alone. And I wasn't, I have, I have my support. I have my loved ones. I have my husband, my mom, my dad, my brother. I have best friends. I have all the, the tools of support. So I was never alone. You know, thank God I wasn't ever alone, but it did feel lonely at times. Um, and so, you know, I had to find ways to cope because I really wasn't coping. I had to find ways to process because that also wasn't happening. And so I just hit a wall, to be honest with you. I hit a wall and, you know, I had to just allow myself to feel the feels, to to embrace the fact that this wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I had to recognize that I was going through grief and depression and sadness and anxiety and all of those things all at one time. And I had to get professional help to move past the why me. I couldn't stay in that space. I, I couldn't. I, you know, you can't thrive in that space. You can't move forward in that space. So I had to acknowledge, yes, I'm sad that I am part of the one in eight, but there is life past this. Like I have to move forward. I have to get answers. I have to keep advocating. I have to, I have to, I have to get up. I have to move. I have to get better because if I want to be in a space where I am able to take on new life and open up my body and my womb and my mind for, for conceiving, this is not the space that I need to be in to do that. I'm not my best self. And so once I realized all of that, you know, it, it became, you know, less about why me and this isn't fair. It became, okay, well, what am I going to do about it? Who else is out there I can talk to? Who else is feeling like this? Who else has gone through it and had their miracle already? You know, let's let's get let's get those people around. Let's find support from strangers. Let's talk to friends or family because there's some stories out there I just haven't crossed paths with yet. And as soon as I open my mind up to that space, I found so many people who had been or were in the, the same or similar situations. And I was instantly, you know, revived again. And I could breathe again. And I could move forward again and have progress and get myself back to a place of hope. And that's where I really wanted to be. I wanted to go from the why me to hope. And that's what happened. Oh. <sighs> You guys, it's a lot every time, but every time I I hop on this mic and I press record and I, I wrap it up, I feel just so, uh, like, it's like therapy. It really is like therapy. It's like free therapy, <laughs> which is awesome because therapy isn't cheap a lot of times. Um, but I thank you guys once again for, you know, being on this journey with me. Um, there are lots more stories to share mine and others. Um, so please continue to check in, uh, to fertility ain't fair 
Uh, follow us on IG and Facebook at Fertility Fair. Check out our website, fertilityfair.com. We have all of our past podcast episodes on there. The blog that I mentioned today, there are a couple blog posts on there as well and merch. Um, and if you're enjoying the show, please, please like, uh, please share, uh, please follow us. Um, you know, if someone needs to hear these stories or needs a safe place to to listen and vent um, from across the uh, the mic, please let them know about Fertility Ain't Fair. We are here to help. We're here to share and connect people who need to be connected. Um, so I thank you once again for joining uh, today's episode. Um, it was really, like I said, a moment for me to to give you a little more insight into my journey and the backstory of of where this all started. And so I really do hope that if you're in that space of why me and it's really dark, that you are able to get the help that you need, uh, the support that you need, the love that you need to to push forward and continue to to walk in this journey because you're not alone. We're all here for you. So as I always say, until next time, I am your forever friend in fertility. Stay hopeful. Hey, Fertility Ain't Fair community. It's your host, Britt. Thank you so much again for listening to another episode of Fertility Ain't Fair. I wanted to give you a quick sneak preview into what we have coming up um, at the end of this month for another episode. We are talking about grief. Grief, good grief, right? It's complex. Um, it is It is deep. It, it can be a lot of different things. So I had to call in uh, someone who knows a lot, a lot about grief and who is able to talk to us about what is happening in our minds and our bodies and in our, our brains when it comes to grief and what it means to go through grief and infertility. So please make sure you join us later this month for a whole episode on grief featuring our very special guest, a transformative coach and also a podcast host, Kristen Crockett. She's going to be a treat. Talk to y'all soon.